Lego. Lego. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Back to Brick podcast. As I said before, I'm your host, Garrett. And today we have a very special designer guest, Lewis of Lewis and Nutwood. How are you today, Lewis? I'm fine, Garrett. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here in Back to Brick. Well, no, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's uh, really great. This is the point of the show is to, you know, get a behind the scenes look at the designer and see how they go about their work. So, uh, you know, let's start off, introduce yourself a little bit to our audience and just uh, where you come from, what kind of Legos you like to design. Of course. Awesome. Uh, so uh, nice and easily because most of the things that happens in the Lego uh, community happen in English. Uh, I do everything I do in Lego in English, but uh, basically I'm from Brazil. I like uh, building basically castle uh, things, medieval uh, builds, medieval mocks. But uh, quite recently, I've started um, expanding my portfolio, uh, understanding a bit more of other themes, other uh, other creations. And even though I like to build more medieval stuff, I also like um, still life. Um, some sort of decorations, but you know everything. Uh, 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 anytime I build something, I kind of go back to the medieval. Uh, basically, that's what I like. That's what I like building. So if you know my portfolio, you know what I'm talking about. Very cool. Yeah, there are some you know great Lego medieval designs, especially when they first came out with like the castle sets. They they did this many many years ago, and hopefully we'll start seeing some of that come back. I'll start off as I always do with our interviews. You're, or at least know about a minifigure that there are billions of them around the world. And a lot of people create what's called a signature figure, mm-hmm. a sig fig. And, but it can be anything. It doesn't have to look exactly like you. If you could choose any of the Lego parts or things to create a minifigure and utensils, what would it look like? Okay. Um, just as you said, you can pick anything you you want from the Lego world and build a minifigure, a sick figure. Uh, my sick fig, it's I try to be as uh, close to what I am in reality. So uh, if you go to my Flickr, if you go to my Instagram, you'll see this sick fig. And it is quite uh, close to what I am uh, personally. So it goes... If I were to choose, if I were to uh, 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 build myself into a minifigure, it would go like that. Um, first of all, the head, uh, uh, it would be a Ninjago J head. I don't know if you were familiar with the character, but it's kind of a, it has kind of a crooked smile and a couple of freckles. Not that I do have freckles, but it kind of gives you a thought of my personality as well. Um Again, it's called Lewis of Nutwood. It's actually an, a, a, a translation of my, of my actual name. Nutwood being in Portuguese, Nogueira is a tree. Um, I actually translated it, translated it into English. So it, it, and, and to a, a, a medieval theme, it, Nutwood would be a city, my city. So it kind of came out as Lewis of Nutwood. Uh, on top of the hat, that hat, it would be a Kai hairpiece, kind of a brown, messy hair swooshed aside, also from the Ninjago line. For clothing, torso and legs, I would use uh, a CMF minifigure torso and and leg uh, uh, from the um, dark blue torso with the dark blue um, legs as well from the Highlander CMF minifigure. It's kind of a leather jerkin with a sort of Scottish-looking Viking-type clothing, uh, just because I like the medieval-style things. Um, finally, as ac- accessories, I would, would definitely be using a Hun CMF uh, minifigure brown cape 
and uh, inside it slide a pointy uh, silver sword. Also on the probably right hand, a brown stick for long walks in the wood. And for sure, next to me, uh, a 10 beige stray dog next to me. And that would be me. Very detailed. And it's fun to not just be, you know, detailed about your minifigure, but you talk about how uh, you have the dog and the utensils you use. And you kind of personify yourself in your builds, correct? Yes, exactly. I kind of... I was going to say, it's fun because they all have different expressions or reactions. Yeah, the Lego universe for uh, heads and minifigure heads, it's just so large and they can be quite similar to one another. What I try to do is using basically these ones that are quite similar but do have different expressions. Recently, they've added these uh, heads that have two expressions, one in the front and one in the back, from which you can choose which one to use. And uh, that's basically what I try to, to use. The CMF uh, theme for, for minifigures is quite uh, extensive and uh, very detailed in terms of, of expressions and faces. So that's basically what I use. And, it's, and that's exactly it, uh, uh, Garrett. I try to blend into the, the, the thing that I'm building, the mock, uh, and present my expressions within the minifigures. You kind of jump into your own little medieval world. Exactly, exactly. It's a story. If you've been uh, uh, following my work for some time, it's uh, a work I've been doing, again, for quite some time. And uh, it follows a, a path. Let's call it a story. And eventually it's going to turn out into a book, maybe. Um, it is told through chapters and uh, <clears throat> it basically shows the path of this character which is me Lewis of Nutwood going through um, some uh, um, some problems some errands some um, quests in this medieval theme world um, which is quite cool which is quite cool and it gives me um, gives me the opportunity to work on my writing as well. And, and basically that's what I really like uh, doing, what I, what I really like about Lego, about my, my constructions, that everything that I build, every, every time comes, everything that I build comes with a, a story behind it. So um, yeah, thanks for noticing, Gary. Yeah, that's really cool. I, I did notice that they were, some of these posts are by chapter. Do you, um... Do you write about these stories before you build or do you kind of build the story and then think, oh, this can play into the story that I've been working on? It kind of happens both ways uh, in which there is a main storyline through which I like to follow. Um, but normally, if I write the story before the build, even though I have an idea of what to build, the build eventually comes out, turns out to be very different for, from what I, I, I expected it to become. So uh, mm -hmm. every time I write something before the build, I have to rewrite it to, um, to connect, to better connect with the build itself when finished. But of course, it goes uh, uh, side by side. Uh, while building something, I always think of the, the story behind it. Uh, if there's a minifigure, where does the minifigure come from? What's, what's the name? Why is it there? To, to an extent that uh, uh, the attention to detail and the backstory behind everything that, that there is in the build uh, kind of becomes something very important to me in order, in order to pass the message I want to to pass in the build. So um, once again, it happens both ways. If I start writing, then I will have to re rewrite it. If I start building, the story comes just along with it just as well. But normally what happens is I think of what I want to build basically, basically with a main story, with a main basic line, and uh, it goes from there. Uh, and while building, I understand what the story is going to be 
And once it is finished, I spend some time um, just analyzing the build, just looking at it and thinking about the story behind it. Um, the, the last thing I do in every build is to put the minifigures on. So, um, so, and basically that's the most uh, complex part of the build because you, me personally, I think of the, the, the backstory for each minifigure, why they're there, uh, what happened before, what should happen next. And uh, basically that's the most complex thing about the story. And while actually looking at the build, the final construction, the final mock that will be um, photographed, then the final story comes along. So um, that's basically what happens. Wow, that was, it's super detailed because as you write a book, like you said, there are things that you you had in your mind that you continue going through, but then you have to rewrite. And then that has to be shown in some physical way. And then you have to visually picture the character in that physical way. And that's your minifigure. And having it in these really cool, because they're not just like, you know, just a couple blocks and then posted with minifigures. You created little scenes from them. Um and it, it kind of gives you almost like a the chapter intake, like, ah, oh, this is where we start, or this is what's happening visually. And a lot of people's imagination might think, oh, well, this is what I thought. But then you have just kind of laid out in bricks how, how you saw it. Exactly. And that's the big challenge. And not only the challenge, but uh, uh, exactly what happens in any book, right? When you read a book, you create the images in your head. And... Basically, that's your understanding of what the book is, what the description of anything that's happening in that chapter is, is inside your head. Um, what I do is just another step in which there's the story and there's the physical thing, the, the, the actual build, the visual world that I happen to put into Lego. And yes, for any person that reads... Um, what I have in my story, they might picture something very different. And isn't that what art is all about? Isn't that what, what writing is all about? Um, that you actually can, in your head, create new worlds of, of what other person is talking about, whether of, of the story the other person is, is, is telling you. So... Yeah, that's the real that's really a big challenge to put into the visual world what eventually we have imagined but the thing is um even though uh, most builders don't actually put in words what they've actually built there's always a story behind uh it might not be shared it might not be written but there's always a story in, to every mock, to every construction. The only thing different that I do, and a couple other uh, uh, magnificent builders also do, is to portray their world, portray in words what they've seen while building the, the things they built. And it's to me, it's very interesting to see exactly that. Uh, how different it can be for me to understand something and create it in my mind and to other person to do the same thing and come up with something entirely different. But, well, the story's there. Um, and it is a challenge as well, as you said, Garrett, to uh, actually connect all these parts. Um, when I started doing this, I actually thought of something quite uh, smaller in a way that well, I built this, this, this mock. The other could be something very different and the story uh, uh, in words could actually connect. But what, what actually happened is that I, I, I understood that I had to build more in order to connect these uh, uh, constructions more fluidly, uh, with, more, with a couple more, with, with more sense. Um, it has been a challenge, but it, it's also really rewarding because if you read my work as well, behind the builds, you will see not only I use myself uh, as Lewis of Nutwood, uh, the stories I tell 
in construction and in written form are um, excerpts of what actually happened to me. These are my experiences. The first ones, for example, they tell a, a bit of my family. They tell a bit of the house I grew up in, the, the people I've come up to talk with, to talk with and, and learn from. So um, writing can be something very emotional. And, and it started basically while putting my thoughts, putting my emotions into paper or computer in this case. And it, to see it transform into an art form, a medium that is visually so democratic, that is Lego and everybody knows Lego and everybody um, connects with it in some way. It's, it's really good. It's, it's very, very cool to see that it translates to other people differently than it translates to me as well. So yeah, that's it. It's a nice window into, you know, as you said, your life. It, and that's what writers are. And also just in general artists, um, because you see like people make these Lego designs and you're like, well, where do they, where do they get that? Because some people love robots. Mm -hmm. And then you realize like, oh, I had a, as a kid, I loved having this robot. And, you know, growing up, I realized that that was always my passion is mm -hmm. robots. So, and Lego kind of just rolled into that. Now, what, what came first, the writer or the builder? Oh, that's a nice question. But of course, the builder, the person that in it's in as a child has been introduced to Lego and happened to fall in, to fell in love with it. Uh, of course, when when I was young, I remember the basically the first memories of myself that I have were with Lego. Uh, I remember having a box of sorted bricks um, and it was just sorted bricks uh, and it had these um, these manuals to this step-by-step -step constructions that kind of frustrated me a bit because they within these this world of sorted bricks uh, you could construct a lot of things you could build a lot of things but not None of the, the the things the manual presented used it, used all the bricks that that came in the box, and that kind of frustrated me a lot because I wanted to use everything, right? And mm -hmm. and of course, as it started with everyone, I I just started putting brick on top of brick on top of brick, and. Of course, the, the builder came first. And when we eventually, when we when I grew up, I, I collected a lot of other other sets. And uh, uh, in no moment, I stopped loving or stopped liking um, Lego as a form of, of, of play. Um, but eventually, of course, uh, uh, as we all come through this time, which we call the Dark Ages, uh, normally in the final of, of high school and beginning of college, um, we kind of put our bricks away, store it in, in somewhere far. And a couple of years pass and you haven't played with it. It's just something... Uh, a, a good mem a good memory of of your childhood, but um, one thing happened after that that brought me back into Lego as as a builder, and um, and and the thing was, it was close to Christmas, and I noticed my my mom's house was not decorated at all, and I asked her, "Mom, what's going on? Are are, are we not going to to put the Christmas decorations, and she said, "Nah, I think this year I'm not gonna put the, the Christmas decorations. I'm not gonna put the the tree and all." And I was basically very devastated. I was devastated because that was the time of the year I actually waited for the most, more than a more even more than my birthday. Because the thing of having the family 
all together was something very important to me. But uh, what frustrated me that year is that she didn't want to put to go through all the effort to put all the decorations. And I said, okay, if you don't want to put the decorations, let me uh, work on that. Is that okay for you? And she said, well, of course. I don't want to put it. If you want to put it, go ahead. And I understood this as, uh, well, I had all the license to do anything that I want, that I, that I wanted, right? <laughs> so I took this as an opportunity to decorate my whole house with all the Lego I had. That was the Christmas decoration I always wanted, Lego, basically. So uh, that Christmas, after a couple of years, a few years actually, um, not touching my Lego, I took all the boxes from, from, from the closet and started building everything that I had. And I basically spread, spread it Lego all around the house. My mom personally was not actually quite content with what I did. And she eventually started putting all the decorations herself. Uh, but she actually left the Lego. And that was one part uh, uh, great what actually got me back into building and to something I really cherished. Uh, and that Christmas was something that really made me connect to my inner child from, from years ago. And something different that happened that Christmas was I was um, started, I had, I was seeing a girl uh, back then for a couple months. And that moment in, in the year, actually New Year's Eve, I was going to present her to my family. And all the Christmas decorations were, were left in, in the house. So that day I was thinking, okay, I'm going to present this girl to my family and my house is filled with Lego. And then I started, to think, started thinking, what is she going to think about that? Uh, and I kind of freaked out a bit, but but it was okay. The, the day came and I presented the girl uh, I was seeing to my family, and she eventually uh, saw all the Legos spread, spread around the house. And to my surprise, she was actually very, um, very cool about it. She actually enjoyed it and said, oh, wow, that's really cool. Um, my family all liked her and and... A couple months after that, she uh, um, we were together, and 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 she said, "Well, would you tell me a bedtime story?" And I said, "Well, a bedtime story. I've never, never told anyone a bedtime story." And I started telling her, "Okay, as any story should begin, or could begin." And I and I said, "Okay, once upon a time," and then I stopped. And she was looking at me and, and, and then it started, uh, I, I started telling about a princess. And as I, as I described this princess, I literally described my girlfriend and eventually the story came out, but something, uh, uh, something very funny happened that while thinking about the story and while telling her this bed, bedtime story um, while building the world in my head it all kind of it all kind of started to build in lego form i thought of a vast white vast uh, green plains and a forest and a big castle where this this uh, princess was living in and for some reason everything that I thought of was built out of, out of Lego and anytime she asked me to tell another uh, uh, another chapter of this story and whenever we, we we were together I thought of this story as a Lego form so that got me into not only writing to prepare to to tell the story to this bedtime bedtime story to her, um, but also to put the story into bricks. It was already happening in my head. It was just a matter of putting it into the physical world. 
So basically, that's how it all started. My girlfriend asked me, would you tell me a bedtime, bedtime story? And it kind of came out to me as in Lego form. That's basically how everything started. Wow, that was a great story. I mean, it's funny because you're also a storyteller, so it makes sense. Completely. <laughs> the <laughs> having that creative uh, drive to not only you know write down your stories, but then telling your loved one like how how you see a story, and then you know you kind of built it. You literally not just built it in someone's mind, but you built it out of out of little plastic bricks and. You know, I, I completely understand a lot of people like, you know, they used to be it used to be having Legos like you're just super nerd. Like it, you get concerned that people would just treat you differently for some reason. And that's not just with Lego. That's with like almost anything in life. Um, And so it's almost you have to be vulnerable to to show it. I mean, I've always loved Lego. My my wife and I have been together for God, what, 11 years. Yeah, she's sitting right here. 11 years now. And uh, she knows I like Lego. Congratulations. Uh, Congratulations, man. 11 years, not for everybody. You know, it's really cool. And, you know, telling the story to your then girlfriend, too, it's um, you you became vulnerable again, which I think is great. You know, a lot of people have this this design and creativity, but it's everyone's so apprehensive about it. That's true. That's true. Um, As I said, there was this... I was very apprehensive to tell her about my this passion that I had that was Lego and uh, as you said, a nougat and, and something that's inside our head that uh, kind of makes you a nerd or something like that gives you gives you a tagline and it's just not like that. If you're open, if you're willing to open yourself to the person you you like, to the person you love. Um, will all be okay and more than that you are going to be more satisfied about yourself when you actually uh, realize well i like this stuff anyone around me that liked me should like that either if not liking it they should actually at least accept it and um that's exactly what happened i was very apprehensive to to tell her to show that to, to show her that child kind of childish side of me that passion that i had from uh uh child times from my youth and it was just not at all like that i was being apprehensive with no actual reason and once again to tell her the story to actually think about it and understanding how she was so comprehensive about it to to the point that we um, we, 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 we are together since then. Um, it's been now you guys, 11 years for me, it's been seven years and, uh, eventually happens as well. She asks me, well, would you tell me a bedtime story since then it's been seven years. <laughs> and, uh, just like the first time I think of everything in Lego form and, and it's just as thrilling and creative and and satisfying as it ever was if not more so yeah you gotta be open to open yourself to your loved ones to yourself to be acceptant of what you actually uh, uh, like and not concerned about others preoccupations or or thoughts or anything else right exactly it's it's hard for people to think about that because like social media and everything like skew the views of what people like or actually do and you know it's just accept yourself and go about it and it's funny i for as you keep saying story time uh i i was like he's telling it in lego form so i took the one by two and put it with a two by four uh plate and and built a tree uh, <laughs> yeah it's almost like that not quite uh, literally like that <laughs> but when i tell well there's a big uh, castle and inside the castle there uh it's a, a round staircase that goes on and on and on and well in my head it's all it's all brick form it's all lego you know as we talk about brick form now let's let's talk about your builds okay. i'd love to like get get to get to know like say let's let's pick a chapter say like hmm, 
uh, what's the one? You have a great scene where you have a, a path with a, a big, a large red tree. Um, tell me about how that came to be. Path with a big, large red tree. It's a, it's called wash, wash out. Oh, okay. Or excuse me, wash, wash away. away. Yes. Wash okay. Away. Uh, where the, the rock work is kind of 10, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. Perfect. That's, um, how did it came to be? It, to clarify, like, how did it come to be? How did you design it? How did you go about constructing it in this style? Okay. Um, one thing I really, really like about the castle theme and the medieval style is that it comprehends a lot of the natural world, uh, the natural environment, trees, hills, rock work, um, rivers, swamps. Uh, these are all things I really like. If anyone had, if you have a, a red, um, Tolkien or George R. R. Martin, a lot of the passages happen in, in the woods or in a desert or basically people walking from one point to another where there's only nature uh, um, between them. And that's one thing I really like about the medieval uh, uh, thing. And it kind of translates into my builds. A lot of them will 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 happen in the in the natural world, not inside a castle, not even having a castle, but just the natural world. And this uh, construction specifically uh, only depicts what's natural. There's a swamp uh, that is in the water is in uh, dark green. There is the rock work and there is the tree. Uh, one thing I really like building as well are trees because once you start looking at any tree in particular, every tree is going to be dif different from one another. Either it's the color, either, either it's the, the, the way it, it kind of grows, uh, kind of twisted and so each time you build something from the natural environment it should translate into something that is um it's not symmetrical it's not something it's so it's so unnatural that becomes natural and this particular build i started uh, uh okay i want to build build a base that's irregular that's something i really um, I really cherish, I really admire uh, various builders that do so because it's a technique mm -hmm. that's really, basically it's very difficult because you kind of have to think of the build um, um, in a different angle. If you, if you evaluate the, the build itself, it's all, it's all built in a, a snot form, uh, studs not on top which the stud is actually laying on its side. And uh, these layers kind of, uh, uh, kind of are put one on top of other, and it kind of became something that looks constructed brick on top of brick, but it's, it's actually not. It's kind of, you, you have layers of, of uh, a, a plate of bricks, one on top of other, and uh, it kind of creates this base that's irregular, that fits into the environment on its own. And it's to me, it, it's very, it, it is a challenge to build something like that because, well, that there's always a, a, a problem, which is build a, a brick availability. You, have, you always have to think of what you're going to build based on what, on what, uh, bricks pieces you have left and for me for quite some time I, I wasn't using the the 10 bricks so I I looked at everything I had and I said okay I can use these bricks as rock work basically various slopes various curved slopes as well and I said well these could work as rock work pretty well and it kind of came together as a path leading from one point to another. And the story goes that 
are kind of leaving a keep that these this group of people, Lewis of Nutwood and this other guy that that he met in a in a in a pub in an inn, they are going to a castle to a, to this keep to free uh, some prisoners that are friends with this this other person, Hop, and. Once they free these people, they have to run away. And, and while in the nature, while in the woods, in this swamp specifically, at the end of the story, um, it starts to rain. And the rain blends with the swamp and, and drops on the, on the leaves of the, of the tree. And it kind of washes the, the footsteps that were printed in, in the path. So Hob starts... Um, laughing out loud and looking at, at the sky and thanking the gods and and it shows kind of kind of a part of Hobbes' personality that he's well he's kind of crazy he's kind of uh, losing himself it's fortunate for for all of the people who were there two prisoners one guy that was put into a, that situation that was Lewis of Nutwood and Hob that's kind of manipulating everyone right there uh, to show this side of him uh, very raw when it start, starts raining. Um, basically, that's how it, it came to be. Very cool. I, I do like the, you know, the studs on top. There's aspects of that. Then you have bricks on, laid on the side to create that like really nice rock work. It's, it's really cool because like you said, you, different designers using different styles and as you blend them together it creates something unique such as mm -hmm. this and gives your gives your scene and your story further detail because you have that beautiful water uh area and then you have the cobblestones um and it gives it a great scene as you said before the hardest part is setting the minifigures if you have a good scene it's easier to set your minifigures up well that's true. That's absolutely true. Um, well, looking at other builders' creations, um, there's a lot of people that build this thing, this medieval uh, style, castle style, and are absolutely um, masters in ro rock work, right? And you kind of start mm -hmm, mm -hmm. picking some... Uh, nuance and some styles of creation. The studs not on top, for example, or using studs not on top uh, uh, to to build the the water area. And you realize, well, I can use dark green for a swampy environment. That's really cool. So only by evaluating other people's works and admiring them and following them, you're able to distinguish and have some insights of what to include in your builds based on what bricks you have. And um, what I found to be very hard as well uh, as the story progresses uh, and more uh, characters come to the story, the more minifigures you have in the build, even though the, the environment can be uh, very well done the more minifigures you have the more distracting and difficult it is to uh, actually position them because each one is going what i try to do is make them interact with something from the environment from for example in this particular um particular mock i remember hob the one with the hat is kind of looking at the at the water lewis is at at the front of the line, kind of uh, uh, pulling a horse, uh, kind of in a grumpy, um, in a grumpy with a grumpy face, like let's go. What what are we doing? And the other ones are just walking, uh, kind of grumpy too. But um, it's different to make everyone interact because there is a limitation of of faces. There is a limitation of what you can do with the minifigure in, in motion. But um, yeah, uh, uh, and what something I'm trying to do is to limit the use of minifigures because they, even though they are 
the main attraction of the build. They actually put emotion to the build um, and movement. Um, they can be a little distracting as well. So it's always a, a sort of um, a balance between what more can I put, what should I take? And that's a really good um, challenge, a really good exercise in every build that I have. Especially to scale too, because you, you don't build super large sets. I mean, some of them are pretty large, but then you don't want to have 30 minifigures running around. Three, four, as, I, as I've looked through your work, it, it does a nice balance. As, as you said, that's one of the harder parts um, to make sure that you're not overdoing it. Exactly, exactly. What I found out as well is that um, one thing about the build is the, the final steps of it, the final step of the build is actually to take pictures of it. And it's one of the most difficult parts of all. I'm not a photographer. I, before starting to build and, and make my mocks, I had basically zero interest in photography, but what I understood is that, well, okay, I have this mock, I have this construction. If I cannot translate it into a picture form, I cannot translate my emotions. I cannot translate how good it is uh, personally. So it is something that you have to enhance just as well as, uh, as the build. You have to put some effort in it as well. And um, when you have something larger the larger it gets the more difficult it is to photograph because of um basically detailing when you have a larger set it is more difficult to to point out different things about the the set different things about the mock a little detail here and there and um the light Lighting, lighting is also something very difficult to to um, to work with. So again, the larger the the mock is, the more difficult difficult it is to photograph, and the more difficult it is to photograph, more likely it is that the final result, the final picture, is going to be less in is going to have less impact. So um, one build as well that I am really proud of and I wasn't expecting to be quite as well, uh, so well, um, so well received is one called um, Bounty. And you will see it's just Lewis and Nutwood in a, a really small room with a bunch of gold. And again, it's a really small build. It's basically a, I believe is a 16 by 16 plate. Um, it's, it ha has kind of an overspill effect, but uh, uh, um, the thing is that one was absolutely easy to photograph because it's so so small. You just put a background and you and you take the picture, and it's it was so easy to do so. While Valnochtrad, another uh, a build of mine, was so large, I took hundreds of pictures, and I had to work hundreds of hours in in uh, in making the picture better. So it was quite difficult. So building anything, you have to keep that in mind. And the larger it gets, the more difficult it will become. Oh, for sure. And especially like just finding a place to put it um, and then getting those shots just right. So, and I'm assuming you only build in physical form, correct? Yes, um, I've tried my way with digital in the digital world using Studio and the LDD uh, from Lego. And basically, it was one time I built recently, it was called Stag in the Shadows. It was basically a, a stag, a black stag uh, I built as a sculpture. I was trying to make things different from minifigure scale. It was larger, basically a sculpture. And one person uh, uh, sent me a, an email and said, well, do you have the instructions? I was, I am willing to pay for them. 
And I said, that was the first time that happened. And I was so, so happy. Well, there's someone actually willing to pay for my work. And I put the effort into translating what I had built in uh, the physical world, built physically in bricks to the digital world. And I, uh, um, and I shared it with, with this person. And that's the first time I used a, a software like that. But personally, it's a time that it takes me a lot of time to finish anything. And the result, even though it's, it's interesting, it's not quite as satisfying and fulfilling as having the, the physical brick build thing. I don't know if you're agreeing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm limited, as I've said before in some of the other podcast interviews, that I don't I have bricks, they're just not sorted or be able to use. So I use I build digitally mm-hmm. primarily. And I'd love to get to the point where I can build in that physical manner. Because you're right. I, I mean manipulate everyone says it. Manipulating the bricks, building it, feeling and seeing how it's created is just a um more fulfilling um and uh, great way to because then you see it in real life and you can feel and see uh, the feeling of how you went about doing that yeah that's right but there's the other hand as well when you when you build in in the physical form brick on top of brick uh the thing after taking the photograph as you said sorting the bricks is just as time consuming as putting the bricks together um but it's also an opportunity to think and understand what bricks you have um it's time consuming it is less much less fun than putting the bricks together and building the thing but uh it is a process that is also as important as building when you actually translate it the, the whole process into your life as well. Well, there's there is a time to build. There is a time to um, to look at it and appreciate it. And there's also a time to um, disassemble and let go. Right. And that's what happened in brick form as well. What you don't actually happen in in the di- digital digital form, right? Yes, exactly. And I mean, everybody's, you're limited in that sense, but then you also have the creativity to continue to build and then new parts come out so you can create new or creative things to, you know, make your scenes better since your scenes continually change. Yeah, yeah. that's absolutely true. Yeah, since Lewis probably doesn't visit the same place twice, he, he's, he's kind of an adventurer. Well, uh, eventually he might. Um he might visit the same place maybe uh, in a different season, maybe. You've seen I use mm-hmm. a lot of snow in my my builds. Maybe I can try to change and put something more um, more like fall, autumn stuff. I don't know. Could be interesting. Uh, <laughs> I just had two more questions before we uh, conclude our interview today. One, um, I really enjoy, you know, not just your scenes, but you you have some creative creatures and secondary builds like your um, self portrait with the skull oh, yeah. above the book. What kind of what kind of drove those designs? Okay, something that um, really sparkles creativity um, in this world of Lego building in the world of mockers is contests. Uh, challenges um anything mm-hmm. that's happening um on discord on Flickr, hero bricks anything at all and uh, this particular build the one before it and the one after these three were for a contest called style it up and uh why does a contest is so important to sparkle creativity. This one specifically happened um, for four rounds. I participated in three, and each round happened on that week. The beginning of the week, uh, the judges would uh, tell you one specific thing about the the mock you should build. 
and there was basically one limitation or one only requirement. The first one, which I built Stack in the Shadows, was a limitation of color, and uh, to which they said, okay, you can build anything you want, um, but you can also only use one color. And that stretches your creativity to, okay, I can build anything that I want, but I only but I can only use one color. You have to look at your bricks, you have to look at your collection and come to a solution. And to me, it was to use black. With uh, the second build to which I built uh, self-portrait, the necessity was to, to build something 100% um, um, how do you call it? I lost the world. The word um, had to be symmetrical. Had to be symmetrical, one hundred percent symmetrical from one side to the other. And I started thinking of of well, what are the things that are symmetrical in our world? I like building trees, but normally they're not symmetrical. I like building um, medieval stuff, but uh, normally in the natural world, they're, they're not symmetrical. And I was literally looking at myself in the mirror, thinking of that same question, what's symmetrical, what's symmetrical? Well, our heads are kind of symmetrical, our skulls are kind of symmetrical, our bodies, such a natural thing, uh, um, they're kind of symmetrical in a way. So... Um, I thought of it, well, maybe a skeleton. And uh, from a skeleton, I, I started looking for some pictures online of other builds that I admire. And uh, for some reason, it came. Uh, uh, I wanted as well to build a book. A book is ab something absolutely symmetrical if you open it in, in, in the middle. And I kind of came with the, the solution to put uh, a skull and a book in the same uh, uh, build. But at that time, I, I was actually reading a book uh, that was kind of, it had some, some gore, it was gruesome, it was kind of a, a horror, uh, uh, had, a, had a horror theme. It was by H.P. Lovecraft, and it was, if I remember correctly, uh, uh, the, the mystery behind Charles Dexter or something like that. And this uh, theme, it was so gruesome, it was so dark, it, it had some uh, suspense and terror behind it, it kind of translated into the build itself. So there's a book, and from this book, uh, there is a head, a skull that literally comes out. And it, when I said gruesome, it's because there's some blood spilling out of it. And all of that made um, something that's way bigger, way larger than it's only symmetrical. Well, it is symmetrical. It started with, it had to be symmetrical, but it kind of grew to a story much larger than it actually was. And that's the actual point I say when, well, every building has a story behind it. It's just a matter of, of, finding it out and putting the effort and and creativity to understand what it brings and what emotions it it uh, sparkles and that's how this specifically this specific specifically mock came out you're right 100% about competitions bringing out that creativity too because that's Anyone I talk to, like, yeah, I, I was a builder, but then I really started getting into it once, like, starting a competition. And it drives you to, you know, tap into what you've been doing for so long, but also to go outside your comfort zone in a build where, you know, you, you usually build in your little, your scenes for your stories and a, a few outside. But then this pushes you to think, oh, well, actually, this is like my book and, you talk about the blood poured over that gruesome aspect is is um it's cool to see in Lego because me many people don't like the gruesome mm -hmm. side of things but 
I think it's very, uh, very unique. Well, it is an art form, and each person should should use it as 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 it finds pleasing. And that was something, as I said, it's. Uh, I was reading a book that had this gruesome aspect, and and anything you're doing at the moment kind of spills out in the build as well, right? And it mm-hmm. definitely sparkles the creativity in a way that you have to um, build outside your comfort zone. And more than that, when you're in a competition, you're uh, uh, actually building something with the same instructions that other builders that you actually admire, and that you kind of uh, uh, grow up to interact with, and to an, to a larger extent, you you actually learn from them. And it's not about the competition, really. It's about connecting to other people that love what they are doing and do that in a way that's so creative and so outside the box. And and they come up with something with the same standards, but so different than what you thought. That's, in the end, that's just really, really inspiring. And I encourage anyone that's starting to mock anything to enter a contest a contest in your community promoted by any lug and anything that's really something that uh, puts you on the map and and next to other very inspiring and inspirational builders i i completely agree it, it gives you you know you stand out but you stand among peers you stand among other creative people which gives you um, you know, your own realm, but also getting the inspiration from others and continuing on in that. And I think that that's not only unique in its own standing because you you build off of somebody else's ideas, but you can blend in yours and start from scratch. That's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. Yeah. Well, uh, my my final question today is: it's pretty. Uh, I think we've we've pretty much hit on it through this interview, but I always ask, how, how do you think Lego has has impacted your life? Well, Garrett, in so many ways, um, what I can what I can say is um, one other uh, a question that you always ask some others is, uh, uh, it's Lego for for adults. Should Lego or only for kids? Is Lego for both adults and kids? And I say absolutely, surely. As a kid that uh, 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 grew up building Lego and an adult that keeps playing with Lego, I can say it's as important for a kid as it is important for an adult. Um, To me, Lego taught me basically, well, it's important to spare some time for myself and to do something that I love just for myself. Uh, it taught me that creativity is within us. And it's, it's just a matter of reaching it out and exercising it. Um, it taught me as well that age is just a number and no matter what this number is, uh, it's okay to play and have fun as, a, as an adult, as a, as a child, as a kid. Um, it taught me as well to connect to my inner child and to a deep, deeper extent to my inner self. Um, it taught me there, as I said, there's a time to build, there's a time to appreciate the build, there's a time to let go. Um, Lego is something that I use as, as a sort of meditation. Um, it's something that relaxes me, relaxes my mind, my body, um, makes me connect to my, as I said, to my inner self. And as a grown-up, is sometimes we kind of get or let go um, to have a playful time to have to have a hobby in which you uh, put some effort put your energy put your mind into 
and it's absolutely important to have it um, to remember to have a time for yourself to have joy to find joy in anything that you have and to me it's more about freedom uh, I find freedom in creativity whenever I create I am free to explore without fear without the possibility of failure there is no failure in building Leo. Even though you might not like the final result, you've always, you've always grown by doing so. And basically, that's what Lego taught me, to be more of myself, to be more creative, and to um, look within. Um, there's a time to myself, and there's a time to play. And that's basically what I love to do. It is, it is interesting to think about because, you know, I think when you talk about failure and that you can't fail with Lego, I think, you know, what I think you can personally, you can, you can fail within your own design, but you know what? It's the same as like the classic Edison quote. I, I learned a hundred ways how to not make a light bulb. And it, when it comes to a build, you may create something that you're just not satisfied with, which you can consider a failure and continue to learn from it. But then other times it, it takes time to realize that your, your design is great to somebody else. And it, it gives you that, as you said, like that relaxing outlet, which is, is a big thing that I know Lego has been pushing recently, especially during the times we live in. And I always have found that that's the best way to, you know, Take your creativity, learn f about yourself, and take the time you need to step away from everything around us and just enjoy what you love. That's absolutely true and absolutely beautiful, Garrett. I completely agree. And it's just a matter of looking into uh, what you did. And even though you're, you might not be as happy as you could be, uh, consider it not a failure, but a step towards getting better. And finally, it, it, there's one last thing that uh, uh, Lego taught me is that everyone has a story, everyone has a message, and I just chose choose Lego to be my form of transmitting a message and a story. And I encourage everyone to actually find a story within you and tell it, be it through Lego, be it through any literary source. Um, but keep that in mind that every build you have, there's, there's a story behind. And personally, I'd love to hear it. And we also love to hear yours. The, I cannot wait until the next you know chapter of Lucas of Nutwood and we cannot wait to see more builds and again lewis i am so uh, glad you came on the show today i think you gave our listeners a great view not only into you know creating with lego but it's it's creating a story learning about yourself about how a storytelling aspect to anything in life is just a beautiful way to see the world and picture it with legos so uh, again i thank you again for taking the time today to speak to everyone here and uh i i think this was really really fun for myself and and the listeners it was absolutely fun fun for me too garrett thank you so much for having me in your show and um best of luck to you and eventually you you'd like to me per, to participate again i'd love to talk about it i'd love to talk about lego anytime about stories anytime so um Congratulations on the show. Keep it up, man. Well, thank you for the kind words. And yeah, I, I would love to have you on again. And for anyone out there, as we've talked about some of these builds, and we continue to you know get our website up and running, but check out his work, Lucas of Nutwood. I'll post his links in the note, show notes and go appreciate the story. But uh, again, thank you, Lewis. And I uh, I uh, hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. No problem. Thank you, Garrett. You too. Have a wonderful day.
I just want to say thank you again for all those who listened. And of course, thanks to you to all the people that I get to interview. It's always fun. I learn new things constantly, and I hope you're doing the same. Please, if you have any questions uh, or comments about the podcast, let me know. If you did like it, subscribe and uh, tell your friends. Get the word out. You know, Lego isn't just for the AFOLs in the community. Everybody can become an AFOL, uh, and you can definitely broaden your horizons, keep that creativity and imagination going. So I'll leave you as I always do. Get creative, get out there, and go build something.